Hey, I am a firm believer that things are only awkward if we make them awkward. And so we're just going to make things not awkward. The mask mandate is no more in Utah. And so, <laughs> however, we also recognize that, that there are people that, that like some of us in our family still need to wear them, want to wear them, believe, you know, and, and that's fine. And so, so I just wanted to say that please be loving and Christ-like family members with each other, okay? So if, if you see somebody that's wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, just love each other, right? And don't, don't, don't be afraid of, of being judged or, or judging because nobody's gonna judge anybody here. And just be smart, be, you know, they will know you are my disciples by your love, okay? So, so just be loving of each other and, and uh, just uh, keep that all into perspective there. So um, just wanted to say that we do have masks available. I actually still have mine in my pocket. Uh, so um, just, you know, just be loving to each other and uh, um, yeah, be good neighbors. So, all right. Some of you know my story about growing up. I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, great Christian family, great little Christian community. Most, I mean, we call it a Christian community because like most everybody that grew up that I grew up with went to a church and and professed the Christian faith and everything like that. Um, but somewhere along the lines, um, I got confused and I thought that Christianity was just learning about Jesus. And so, as a kid, I went to Sunday school. I went to VBS. I was a part of Whirly Birds. I was a part of all sorts of fun little kid stuff. And I learned a lot about Jesus. I had my little Bible. I listened to you know. Uh, radio programs and things like that. And I, I thought that the Christian faith was primarily about learning about Jesus. Then later on, I, I, I was kind of scared. I didn't want to go to hell as a little kid. And so I prayed the prayer, right? And it was fine. And I continued to learn about Jesus. But somewhere around junior high, I was kind of like, I don't know, this is more attractive. This is more interesting. I want to give myself to this. I want to give myself to that. And learning about Jesus kind of took a back seat. And um, it was kind of revealed that, you know what? The center of my life was actually me. I was the center of my life. Well, in high school, I was kind of hitting rock bottom and just doing a lot of stupid stuff. And, and, and I hated my life. I was the center of my life. I was trying to do God's job for him. And I was doing a really horrible job of it. And, and so I then realized I, I had a youth pastor and I had some other people in my life that were really showing me what the Christian faith actually was. And so I made this shift where I surrendered my life to Christ. And, and I, I then, I kind of pendulum swung the other way. Instead of just learning about Jesus, I thought life was all about doing things for Jesus. And so I tried really hard to be this squeaky clean, perfect person that was really judgy and really self-righteous and everything like that because I was doing this and I was working hard and I was this and that. And so I went from learning about Jesus to doing things for Jesus. And guess what? I still was the center of my own world because it was all about me, my efforts and, and me, 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 right? And so I kind of missed it. Now, there was a lot of people around me that were living out the heart of the Christian faith, but I was kind of missing it. I, I didn't realize that there was something that was so much more, and that thing is called discipleship. I thought that discipleship was kind of like this behavior modification program or sin management program, right? And I thought that, that it was all about how do I be a better person? How do I sin less? How do I, you know, get more people to church, blah, blah, blah. 
But I didn't realize that the heart of the Christian faith, if I called myself a follower of Jesus, it meant that I was a disciple, just like the disciples that I read about in the Bible. I was still human. I was still going to make big mistakes, but the center of my life needed to shift over to being the one that I said that I followed. That shift radically transformed my life. Now, I still struggle. I'm still human, and I still make really stupid mistakes way more often than I'd care to admit, right? But there was a shift to where I realized that my, the core of my life was discipleship. This morning, we're going to be kicking off a new eight-week series. We've been talking about it. I'm really excited about it. Uh, those of you who are uh, kind of regulars at the greenhouse, you know our bread and butter, our core is just studying the Bible. It's called exegetical, right? We exegete the Bible. Basically means we get really nerdy and we, we just slowly go through the word of God one chapter at a time or whatever it might be. And, and we just let the word of God just speak. And it's amazing at how relevant it's been, right? And, and that's where we like to spend most of our time. Um, but there's also what's called topical, where we say, hey, we're going to take a topic and we're going to do a deep dive for a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever. And so we're going to actually kind of take a break from doing the the strict exegetical, which it it pains me to do that because I love that. But I also know that a time or two or sometimes three times a year, it's kind of fun just to back up and to say, why are we here? And so we want to do a deep dive into discipleship and what that means. We're going to base everything out of the word of God, and, and the heart of what it means to follow him. But just, just hang with me. Some people, they really love the exegetical. Some people are like, I wish you'd do more topical. You know, that's who we are. It's what we're going to do. And, and this is where we're going to go for the next uh, two months. So we talk a lot about discipleship. You've already heard it probably a couple times this morning, is that we, we say we want to grow disciples who love God, love people, serve the world, right? It's on our, it's on our, backdrop, it's on our mugs, it's in our language, everything is kind of centered around that. Well, discipleship, though, we know that it can be a little bit confusing. We know that it can be maybe hard to understand, let alone live out. And, um, and probably some of you are like me at various stages of my journey to where I don't even know what discipleship means or what it looks like or what it is, or yeah, I'm diehard into it or, or whatever, right? Um, it can be confusing and intimidating. We recognize that. Even the name of our our series is Discipleship Made Easy. And then the reality check of, well, sort of, right? It's just the way it is. In this series, we want to demystify discipleship. We want to explain it in a simple, understandable, doable ways. We want to give practical, tangible steps each week at, at becoming disciples, at living out God's call to be disciples of him. And then after this morning, we're going to look at a foundational kind of introductory stuff. And then in the weeks following, we're going to look at six practices or rhythms that are just inherent to life. And honestly, we're probably already doing some of these things, but we're trying to learn how to be intentional and deliberate and purposeful with the way that we live our lives. Um, but like the name, it's only going to be sort of easy. Easy to understand, not easy to do, right? There's something about shifting the entire focal point, the central, the axis of our lives, that it's not easy. 
It's not easy. If any of you have ever tried to make like a major life change, like I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to stick to a budget. I'm going to whatever, like easier said than done, right? Like you can go through the Dave Ramsey, you know, financial peace university and, oh, this all makes sense. But I really want that, (laughs) right? Like it's easy to understand, not always easy to do. Well, that's where we want to go in the next several weeks. Um, we're going to go there as a family. And, and like Drew said, uh, we want to process this together as a family. Uh, encourage you to plug into a connect group to where we can, we always say, this is where we push content. And then on our connect groups is where everybody gets to ripped to pieces and say, oh yeah, Jason, that totally made sense. And it makes me think about that. Or Jason, that didn't make any sense. And I don't understand it. Can you please understand, it, uh, explain it differently? Or, or whatever, right? Like it's where, where we all get to as a family, get to rip this all apart, put it on the table and dig into it together. So churches have a lot of different understandings of discipleship. I have some images up here. I've been a part of church ministry all of my adult life, and I've seen the whole gamut of different understandings of what discipleship is. A very common one is that discipleship is a linear class that we go through. And so you have discipleship class or discipleship program. And it's kind of like the, the, the cows where we, we herd you through the shoots and we're going to vaccinate you here. We're going to snip here. We're going to cut here. We're going to dehorn here. We're going to send you. And then boom, you're a disciple. Way to go, right? And, and it's all about this, 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 and this. And then you graduate and now you're a disciple, right? Another one is where discipleship is an inverted pyramid scheme, right? And it's the wide at the top. It's the front door. We get you in. We get you giving. We get you serving. We get you all these different things like that. We get you through the membership class. We get you totally bought into our method of discipleship, otherwise our church, right? And we're going to indoctrinate into you, into our church, and we're going to make you marketers for our church. And then the epitome, the pinnacle of discipleship then is going out and bringing other people into that funnel. And, and that's, I've, I've seen that as the model of discipleship to where basically discipleship is used as a church growth marketing tool. The third one is, it's like the mold, right? It's the pressure of, it's, it's we're gonna, we have this mold and we're gonna, uh, we're gonna um, exert this external pressure to where you're going to look a certain way. You're going to behave a certain way. And we're going to manipulate with external practices and pressures to make you, if we can't change your heart, we're at least going to change the way that you look on the outside, right? Now, there's some benefit to to all three of these. But there's also huge, obvious drawbacks. We're not cattle. We don't need a a snip here and a a shot here and a this, and then boom, we're disciples. Now we're done. We have the diploma and we're done. And it's also so much discipleship isn't just how to grow a church. It's not how to create great fans to where, oh my gosh, I am solid into, I'll be honest, I I don't want to be offensive, but the whole my church movement breaks my heart. It's not my church and it's not your church. It's Jesus's church. And so if we turn discipleship into becoming better church people, more bought in church people to where I'm a disciple, look at how many people I brought into our church. Guess what? You're a salesman. Now we want to do that. I was talking with somebody this morning, like like y'all are our billboards. 
right? Like, like that's our church growth strategy, but it's not church growth. It's how do we go and reach the, the world for Jesus starting on our own front door? It, it, it kind of cheapens the whole thing to where basically my real life is over here, but here's my, here's my church life. Here's my discipleship life. And then the external mold, it's kind of like, you know what, pardon, I'm just going to, I always say, you can squeeze a dog turd into any mold you want, but guess what? On the inside, it's still dog turd, right? That's not discipleship. <laughs> if, if you're a good looking dog turd, guess what? You're a good looking dog turd, right? Sorry, I have a dog and I pick up way too much dog turd. So always on my mind. At Greenhouse, we talk about wanting to grow disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. We have it right. We have it so, no, actually, I really do. I think this is one of the things that we actually get really, really right, right? Where do we get it from? God's word. Not some clever marketing scheme or some conference where if you do this, we guarantee this results. No, this is Jesus's own mouth. This is called the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 40. It goes like this. He was, he was asked, Jesus was asked, what shall I do? What do I need to do to be saved? Like, what's it all about, Jesus? And Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, and we're like, whoa, 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 Jesus, I said, what's the greatest? I didn't ask for two for one, right? <laughs> he goes, guess what? It's BOGO. You buy one, you get one, right? A second is equally as important. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's a vertical component and there's a horizontal component. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That is the great commandments, right? And, this, and the, the second one is the great commission. Jesus has, has suffered, he's died, he's been uh, resurrected, and now he's appearing to his followers in Matthew chapter 28, Verses 19 and 20. Therefore, this is Jesus' parting shot at his followers. If anything that you get from this, get this, followers, disciples, people who call yourself Christian, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Love God, love people, serve the world. Now, there's a really fun way of illustrating this. It's called a three-legged stool. Love God, okay? We're going to stick that in here. Love people, stick that in there, and serve the world. Okay, hopefully I can do this without it falling out. Okay, there we go. All right. Now, beforehand, Drew, he is a chicken. And beforehand, I was like, hey, Drew, because we haven't used this stool in a little while, right? I made this a while back and, and kind of illustrate. And I even, I mean, I even like, I, I, oh, it's, this is a piece of art, y'all. Like this would probably cost hundreds of dollars and I made it in my garage, right? Um, I was like, Drew, we were setting up chairs. I said, stand on it. He goes, are you trying to kill me? Right? 
And I was, I was going to, you know, have Becca come and stand on it, but they already have one broken femur in their house. We don't need to, right? So, but Drew, who is not a huge guy, but he's also not like a dainty little guy, he stood on this thing. Little three-legged stool. I would do it, but it would be really embarrassing if I break it, okay? But I'm pretty sure that somewhere along, I probably stood on this, right? Now, here's the thing with the three-legged stool. It is incredibly solid. It, it is so strong. But what happens if all of a sudden you take out one leg? It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't stand. And so the beauty of this understanding of discipleship of love God, love people, serve the world, is that if you take out loving God, but yet you love people and you serve the world, guess what? You are a social activism club. Secular one right? Let's go save the whales. Let's go save the trees. Let's go, you know, feed the homeless. These are all good things, but where's God in all of it? Or let's say, um, I love God and I really want to serve the world. Man, I don't like people. I I just, you know what? Now all of a sudden we become very self-righteous, of, well, I love God and I'm out doing this all the time. What are you doing? Well, if you were a part of our church family, you would know what all we were doing, right? Like we have these rogue renegades that are out doing their thing, but yet they're not loving to their own family members. Or if we just say, I love God and I love people, but I don't want to serve the world. Guess what? We're a holy huddle. We're a light under a basket. We're a salt that's not being shaken out. We're worthless to the world. And so you have to have all three of those to really live out Jesus's call to become his disciples. Jesus didn't say, learn stuff about me so that you can talk about me and then do a bunch of church stuff. Instead, discipleship is at the very core of who we are as his followers. I like how Caesar Kalinowski, some of you have heard that name before. Some of you might be a little bit new, um, but we're actually basing a lot of this series out of Caesar Kalinowski stuff. He has some amazing stuff out there. We'll, we'll kind of talk about it as we're going through that. But I like how he says in his book, Small is Big, Slow is Fast. He says that discipleship is the only mission that Jesus gave his church. So much of the church culture and industry and, and everything that we think, well, where's this? Where, oh, your church, have they? Jesus didn't tell us to do it. Jesus didn't say, okay, now the apostle Paul, I'm going to appear to you on the Damascus road and I'm going to give you this bulletproof plan of how to be a great missionary and have great growth. No, he actually spends years with Jesus in the, uh, with Paul in the, Saul, who then becomes Paul, in the trenches, transforming who he is at the core of his being. Discipleship is our true identity. It's our top priority. It's the organizing reality of our lives. But here's the thing, the love God, love people, serve the world. That's, that's who we are as disciples. That's what we do. But what does it really, really mean? A disciple is somebody who goes all in with Jesus. It's reorient, reorienting their lives around Jesus in his heart and his agenda. It's someone who has 
and is continuing to be transformed by the grace of Jesus and receive uh, and receiving a new identity. It's someone who believes in and goes all in with Jesus. We talked about that in our last series. When Jesus says, believe in me, that word believe is an incredibly powerful word because it literally means go all in. Let go of everything else and go all in with Jesus. Now, Caesar Kalinowski, uh, this, is, this is great. He has an amazing phrase that we're going to focus on for the rest of our series. He says that discipleship is moving from unbelief to belief in every area of our lives. Discipleship is moving from unbelief to belief in every area of our lives. To believe something, you actually have to learn um, to know it intimately. And the same thing is true with Jesus. Do we really know him? Is Je- Jesus is at the core of discipleship. And like in, in, in Jesus's time, that whole language of disciples and a rabbi, a, a, a rabbi would, would accept disciples and they would literally follow him around. And a common saying was, may the dust of my rabbi cover my, cover my entire body, right? Like wherever, wherever the rabbi was, they wanted to be right there. And they wanted to be covered with his dust. That's how, how much they wanted to follow Jesus. And so that's the imagery that Jesus wants us to have as well. Wherever he is, we should be also in every area of our lives, not just church or a few areas. It's every area. It's holding nothing back. Now, I love the Old Testament story where Jacob wrestles with God. He gets renamed to Israel. Did you guys know that Israel actually means wrestles with God? Struggles with God? So often we cheapen this whole thing because it's kind of like, here's a couple free, you know, key tips, and and your life is going to be amazing, amazing, amazing. Knowing God is not having all the struggles taken away. Knowing God is having him with us on the mat in our lives. When we have medical emergencies, when we have you know, prospective deaths in the families when we have career issues and, and when we just feel hopeless and alone and, and when our marriage is struggling and when our kids are just, we don't even know who they are anymore or, or, or whatever, whatever we're facing, that isn't a sign of the lack of God's goodness. It's the proving grounds of God's goodness. And as, as a pastor, as a church, I I constantly, I've just been growing this burden of just saying, you know what? Jesus never says that life is going to be peachy and easy. But he says, in the middle of this, I'm going to be right there with you. Just look around. You're going to see me. You're going to see my faithfulness. You're going to see my love. That's how we know God. Discipleship is being intentional and thinking about how we view our lives and the world. Um, a couple days ago, in, if you're doing the New Morning Mercies devotional on April 7, it says, you are constantly interpreting. You don't actually respond to what is going on around you. You respond to the sense you have made of what is going on around you. This means that there is always some kind of interpretive grid that you are carrying around with you that helps you make sense out of your life. 
No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. I, I had a, a psych prof once that said, uh, we all have voices in our heads. The crazy ones of us just don't admit it, right? We all have the voice in our head. What is that voice saying? Are we thinking about what that voice is saying? Because guess what? It's you. You are the one who talks to yourself nonstop. And so the call is listening to that, examining that, taking notice of it, and owning it instead of just being a servant of it, right? We are in constant conversations with ourselves about God, others, ourselves, meaning and purpose, identity and such. These things you say to you about you, God, and life are profoundly important because they form and shape the way you then respond to the things that God has put on your plate. Discipleship it is examining the lenses in our lives in what we're telling ourselves and holding and then and, and holding all that up to what is actually true. If we're acting out of unbelief in regards to God, ourselves, each other, the world, etc., um, we need to bring those things back into alignment with what we truly believe. We need to bring those, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, right? Listen to what we're telling ourselves and make that obedient to Christ. Carl, uh, Caesar Kalinowski articulate, articulates it well in, in his book, again, Small is Big, Slow is Fast, just an incredible book. Um, he says, if you love Jesus and you love people, you're going to want to be out there where the action is. If we really love God and if we really love people, we're going to be out where God is loving on people, real people, Right? If you find yourself distracted by everything, uninterested or feeling jaded about helping people get to know Jesus, I've seen that before. Well, your focus is on those people. What about us? Well, you're saved. So let's grow and then let's go, right? Let's get out there because there's still so many people who don't know Jesus yet. That's a part of who we are as Christ. He goes, if we're jaded by that, you may be suffering from a lack of love either a lack of love for people, you're more worried about your pride and appearance or whatever else, or a lack of love for Jesus. You really don't think that Jesus is all that great. Or in language of belief, unbelief, a lack of love equals unbelief in Jesus's love for people. A lack of love for Jesus means that somewhere we have unbelief that Jesus is actually who he says he is and did what he said he did. We were in Vegas and, and Friday night after, after uh, one of the trainings, um, uh, don't judge me, uh, Tatum, what, our, our daughter, she, like her and, and, and a friend were like, we want to go down to the Vegas Strip. We've never been down there. It's a great idea to take your you know, eighth grade daughter down to Vegas Strip at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. It's one of those gut check moments where it's kind of like, you're going to see things that you can't unsee, but you're also not a little girl anymore. Time for a wake-up call. And, and Nicole and I have been a couple times, and, and um, it breaks my heart. Yeah, the fountains are cool. The casinos are amazing. And, and it's just really cool stuff. But when you see the click, 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 
what do they have? Oh, what's on those cards? The billboards that are going by and the people that are acting stupid and the, hey, you want to come and take your picture with me, right? Like, if you've been to Vegas, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But it's heartbreaking. It literally makes me feel physically sick. If I have unbelief, I judge every single person I see out on the strip. Young lady, you're apparently a skank. You have no respect for yourself. How dare you? Drug person who's passed out on the street, you are pathetic. Guys that are out partying their lives away, boy, glad I'm not you. That is unbelief that Jesus is looking at them and crying his heart out saying, I wish you could only see me. I wish you could only surrender your life to me. That is unbelief. And when I, when I just kind of self-righteously, pharisaically kind of like, oh my gosh, Tatum, don't be like that person. Well, I don't want her to be like that person, but I also want her to love that person. I want her heart to be broken when she sees the brokenness of the world because guess what? My area of belief is that God created that person and they are a part of this broken world and they're broken and they're hurting just like my sin breaks and hurts me. And I'm probably only one or two decisions away from being in those shoes. And so now all of a sudden, instead of having judgment and hatred and disdain, now I'm compassionate and I'm loving. I saw some people, I just wanted to say, young lady, please, like God created you and, and he loves you and he cherishes you. And guess what? He, he wants you to find holy, pure love, not this. Young man, like you think you're, you're just having fun, but tomorrow you're going to regret it and you're going to do more stuff to try to cover that regret up person who's gambling away all their hard-earned money and, and their blah, blah, blah. Like, like, God entrusted you with that money. Why are you wasting it away? From unbelief to belief in every area of our lives. Here's a few more things to keep in mind as we talk about discipleship. One, Reading the Bible, praying, church, worship, serving, giving, all these things are very helpful and important in the process of discipleship. But it's not just these things. It's all of our lives. We should see the evidence of Jesus saturating every area of our lives, our work, the time we spend together with our family and our friends, the where we play, the, our, our downtime, like, like we should see Jesus saturating every area of our life because discipleship is every day. Two, discipleship is not meant for us to master this whole Jesus thing, right? Discipleship is when we are mastered by that Jesus guy. That's a huge difference. Learning about Jesus versus following Jesus. Number three, discipleship is not a checklist or a to-do list. And it's not turning ourselves or other people or things into projects. People aren't stupid. They sniff it out a mile away. If all of a sudden we, we oh, I'm going to take you on as my project and blah, blah, blah. Like they're like, oh, I'm not, uh, no, I thought we were real friends. 
it's genuine, it's authentic, it's, it's, it's real life. It's not just check this off, then I feel accomplished in what I'm doing. It's intentionally refocusing our everyday life. Four is that discipleship is less do and more be. Our identity doesn't come from what we do. What we do flows out of who we are. There's a big difference there. Five, to be true disciples means that we are discipling others. Remember how I said discipleship made easy, sort of? That's the, how many of us want to say, one, I want to be discipled, and two, and I'm going to disciple somebody else while I'm being discipled. But in order to be called a disciple, we actually really need to be discipling somebody else. That's how God set it up. He wants us to reach out and to love. And, and, and it's not about, I went through this program and now I have my diploma and now I can take you through so you can too get that diploma. It's not what it is. It's I am following the rabbi. Jesus's dust is covering me from head to toe. Now get over here because this is amazing, right? It's bringing people along along the way. And last, we're going to see that each of the six rhythms is lived out in three distinct ways. I love three, right? The three-legged stool, love God, love people, serve the world. The three distinct ways that we're going to live out and we're going to study each one of these rhythms is, is this. Up, in, and out. Up is that love God. It's that relationship with God. It's that communion in, with, with God is that every single rhythm we're going to look at has to start with our relationship with God. It's his pouring into us. It's him wrecking our lives and then putting it all back together. It's him bringing healing and forgiveness and hope and peace and joy and love and and all that through his spirit, right? So every rhythm we're going to look at through the lens of us, up. It's also going to be in. That's us, it's Sunday mornings, it's connect groups, it's, it's men's group, women's group, it's, it's just life on life, right? It's, it's community, it's how we love each other. And then it's out. That is our mission, to serve the world. We always say we don't need salt blocks, we need salt shakers, right? Salt blocks, any of you who know what salt blocks are, it's when Cattle come to, they all come to this salt block and they all fight over licking the salt block. That's a lot of times what we turn the church into is that the salt is, is, is the, the pen and, and whoever's teaching is a salt block. Now don't start licking me because that's gross. I don't want that. You don't want that, right? And, and don't, let's get that out of our minds, right? Y'all are salt shakers because you have the word of God. You have God's spirit. You have Jesus in your life. You have the salt. You are the salt. Now get out there and shake it, right? Like, I want to see everybody dancing out of here. Shake a little salt, right? Wherever you're at, that's how the word of God gets into his world, okay? That's out. That is the mission. That is serving the world. Jesus himself lived out all three of these rhythms. Up. How many times did Jesus get away and spend time in prayer with the Father, right? Jesus did it. How many times did he gather his disciples together and and he says, along the way, the dust is covering them and and he's in, he's focusing on his three, on his 12, on his 70, on on all those. His family matters to him. And then out. 
How often did he do healings and teachings and, and he's speaking to these crowds, right? Now, here's the thing. If one of those is taken out, it doesn't work. It's not how Jesus intended any of it to work. We need to have all three of those. And a lot of times we're kind of like, yeah, I'm all about God. And yeah, I, go to, I like the church thing. It's fun. Greenhouse is pretty fun. I like it. Good group of people. Pretty interesting stuff. I have to bear through the Sunday mornings, but that's okay. You know, people are worth it. But it stops there. Doesn't work, right? Like that is what discipleship is meant to be. If we're not doing that, we're missing the mark. So here's the thing. I invite all of us to take this seriously. Jump in. Jump in. Take this seriously. Think about the reality of our identity as a disciple. If we're not living out the identity as a disciple, we're missing the very core of our Christian faith. How can discipleship be the lens that we view everything else through in the rest of our lives? How can we look at over the next several weeks, how can we transform our lives to where for years to come, we are constantly saying, I am a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. How is Jesus inviting you to be more intentional about the few trips around the sun that we get in this life? We don't get today back. Once tomorrow's gone, we don't get tomorrow back. Once next year is gone, we don't get next year back. How can we be more intentional about our lives? And how is Jesus calling you to move from unbelief to belief in every area of our life? Each week, we're going to have an action step. I would invite you to not just dip a little toe in. Don't walk by the pool and say, oh, that looks nice. Don't just dip the toe in. Go full on cannonball into this thing. Let's just do it. Let's try it. Let's have fun. So this one, we're starting off pretty easy, right? Every day, list out, just at the end of the day, just look back and say, what areas of unbelief did I see in my life today? Now, to identify that, we can look at sometimes our feelings. What made me mad? What made me sad? What made me doubtful or insecure or hopeless or greedy or envious or frustrated or tired or lonely? Or the other side of what made me really happy? What made me really excited? What made me feel just like, ah, what am I putting my faith in? What am I believing in, right? And so every day until next Sunday, just do a little inventory at the end of the day and say, what what areas of, of unbelief did I see today? And then take a leap of faith and talk to a friend. Share about it at Connect Group this week or just call me up. We'll go do coffee or lunch or, or, or get to know each other and, and say, hey, I want to walk this journey with you, you know, and, and just dive in. Surrender these areas to Jesus and see what he's going to do through it. All right? This is going to be fun. Dot, 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 sort of. <laughs> If at any point you have questions or you're kind of like, Jason, I've never heard this before, or Jason, I really, please talk to me. Talk to, talk to Drew, talk to anyone here, right? Don't go it alone because this could be like a whole new life for you. I know it because I've lived it. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you so much for your love. God, we thank you for how you call us to yourself. God, thank you for not abandoning us and just saying, I I died for you, I paid the price, and now good luck. Instead, God, you call us to yourself. You empower us. I love how in in the great commission, you say, I will be with you every step of the way. And so, God, we want to put our full faith in that. We want to go all in with that. God, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that, that, yeah, I've been a Christian, I've been going to church, and I read my Bible occasionally and blah, blah, blah. But yet, God, it, there, there's no power to it. There's no, there's no uh, excitement. There's no buy-in to it. God, I pray that, that, that your spirit would just jar some things loose in us where we say, I want to know you more. I want to live with you, Jesus. And God, if there's some of us here this morning who are saying, I've never heard this before. This sounds kind of crazy, but I'm also really curious. God, I pray that that we would just run to you, that we would bring the whole of our lives to the foot of your cross, and we would say, Jesus, give us the new life that only you can give. God, I pray that you would over the next several weeks, just do some pretty amazing things in our lives and and through our lives, individually and as a church. God, we just love you. We pray these things in your name.